Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Homecoming Podcast. The Homecoming Podcast shares conversations, practices, and inspiration for returning home to your true self. I'm Sarah Elaine Nelson, a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher, working mostly online using the traditional practices of yoga along with modern technology to help you create more ease and joy in your life. Today, I'm excited to welcome Kristen Timchak onto the podcast to chat about the relationship between the nervous and immune systems from both Western and Ayurvedic perspectives, how they work together and influence each other, and ways we can support them both. I've been listening to Kristen's podcast, The Nourished Nervous System, and I really wanted to have her on at the start of fall in the Northern Hemisphere as we head into cold and flu season. Sometimes I think we think that in order to bolster our immune system, we need to take vitamin C and other supplements when some of the most effective practices for nourishing the immune system are the practices we do to calm the nervous system. Kristen will unpack all of that for us and share some tips for heading into fall with a strong immune system. Just a reminder, this podcast is for information and inspiration and does not replace medical care or advice. I'm not a licensed healthcare practitioner or mental health therapist. Kristen Timchak is an Ayurvedic educator, holistic life coach with a focus on nervous system health and self-care, and a mother circle facilitator. She is the host of the Nourished Nervous System podcast. Kristen believes that big change can be accomplished with small, consistent steps. She draws on her 20 plus years of study and experience in yoga, Ayurveda, somatic practices, and life experiences to help people, especially women and mothers, nourish their nervous systems. Kristen, welcome to the Homecoming Podcast. Hi, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for Hi. having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. So you also have a podcast that I've been listening to called mm-hmm. The Nourished Nervous System, and I'm loving it. And I love your mm-hmm. holistic approach and how you bring in Ayurveda And I learned something new in every episode. And as we head into fall here in the Northern Hemisphere, also known as cold and flu season, and now I guess COVID season, I thought you'd be such a great guest to have on to talk about the relationship between the nervous system and the immune system. So again, it can be very basic, but I would love to hear... um, a basic idea of how the two systems influence each other and, and work together in the body. Awesome. This is a great question. And I've been thinking a lot lately about how we can tend to compartmentalize the systems of our bodies. And so we think about the immune system and things we need to do for the immune system when everything is so connected and so things we do for one system ripples out into the other and the immune system and nervous system are very connected. 
So if you think about their functions, this kind of makes sense. The nervous system is kind of like the alarm system of our body. It's scanning our surroundings through the senses. And when there's perceived danger, there's the cascade of uh, hormonal uh, responses that help us go into the fight, flight, or flee mode. And the immune system is similarly scanning our bodies, looking for pathogens or uh, invaders, anything in our body that's going to make us sick. And then similarly sending out immune cells to help to fight whatever the pathogen is. They actually are both systems that are working at keeping our body in homeostasis. They're working together to keep our body in homeostasis. So they communicate a lot between each other. So immune cells affect the nervous system cells and nervous system cells affect immune cells. They both share the same neurotransmitters and they both use synapses to communicate between the cells. So they're very interconnected. Um, they're helping to regulate our bodies. When we go into an, a nervous system, a sympathetic nervous system response, there's a, like a flare of, of like inflammation to, but it's an inflammation that's helping to optimize our immune system for that emergency. So it's a way that our body is, if we go into that emergency state, our body wants to make sure that if there's any pathogens coming at that moment that our body can take care of it and get us to safety. So that's great in a short acute sort of situation where we have that, our, our immune system is optimized, and then we come back to homeostasis. But when we're in that chronic stress place, those that inflammatory response is happening continually, which eventually starts to weaken our immune system. So an example of this is if you've ever been in a big push in life, whether that's a big work push or moving house or um, the birth of a baby in that postpartum period or like the death of a loved one and all the things that need to be taken care of. These times in life where we just are kind of in that elevated sympathetic response for a longer period of time. And you might feel the beginnings of an illness, but you just kind of amazingly push on through and you're like, wow, I'm so healthy. And then as soon as you have that time to rest, all of a sudden you get the cold and the flu and it's really bad and it kind of lingers. And that's just an example of how in that stress response, our body is, is fighting that, that thing. And then as soon as the stress response is gone, our immune system's weakened and it kind of succumb to the cold or the flu. So I, I love so, that example. That's such a great example. And it makes me think too of people who um who you know work really hard at their jobs and then take vacation and they're like, I always get sick on vacation. Exactly. That's exactly exactly this perfect example. Yeah. It's like when we're not taking care of our nervous system, then our immune system is taking extra. It, it all, it's all affecting each other. On top of that, you know, the, our other systems are also in, involved in that. Our digestive system is very connected with both our, our nervous system and our immune systems and our endocrine system. It's like, we think of, you know, hormones a lot of times as sex hormones, but the cortisol, the 
um, the adrenaline, those are all hormones that are being released when we're in the stress response. So everything is interconnected. When, when we go into a stress response, our digestion is shut down in that moment. So we're not digesting as well. And our digestion is very crucial in our immune response as, as well. It's one of the first sort of um, places for, for sort of like lines of defense against pathogens coming into our body is our, our digestive system. So yeah, everything's connected. Yeah. Thank you. Does, um, so I've talked a little bit about Ayurveda on the podcast. I think the listeners are are familiar with the idea. They know it's a sister science of yoga and it's this holistic health care. Um, and I'm wondering, Ayurveda comes from India. It comes, you know, from this more Eastern perspective. Do they have, is there a different perspective on the relationship between the nervous system and immune systems? That's a great question. I think, I don't know that there's a different perspective like it's also very much linked in Ayurvedic thought, but I think there's different, um, there's a way, there's a different way that it's thought about maybe or different terminology. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think about first is Vata Dosha, which is in Ayurveda, there's three constitutions, Pitta, Kapha, and Vata. And I won't go deep into any of that, but Vata Dosha, just for, for your knowledge, is... Um, it's air and ether and the air is like wind. So it's like wind and space and Vata dosha, the qualities of Vata are mobile, subtle, light, dry, erratic, cold. So all of these things, if you think about that, those are the qualities that wind and space have. And Vata is also rules the nervous system in Ayurvedic thought. So if you think about nerve synapses and impulses, those are very erratic, light, subtle. Um, and in Ayurveda, we often talk about the concept that like increases like and opposites balance. So during this time of year in the Northern hemisphere where we're moving into fall, which is Vata season, it's there's more, often more wind, um, in some places it's drier, colder, and there's more vata in the atmosphere. So the vata in our bodies increases. And so it's a lot easier to feel out of balance with our nervous systems, to feel more stressed, mm -hmm. to feel more ungrounded during this time of year. And especially in the modern world we live in, there's so many ways that our vata is going out of balance with screens and travel and the foods we eat, all the different things. So it's really important in this season, as we move into cold and flu season, to pay attention to our nervous systems first. It's when we can take care of the vata, then oftentimes other things can come into balance. And the other aspect in Ayurveda, one of the main concepts of the immune system is something called ojas. Mm -hmm. And ojas is like a subtle essence of the um of the kapha dosha and kapha is earth and water it's what's what makes up kapha dosha and ojas is the essence of vitality and immunity in the body um, it's considered to be an actual substance it's not 
poetic or romantic. It's an actual substance in the body, a milky white substance that circulates through the body that's formed during the process of creating bodily tissues from the food we eat. So I'm not going to go super deep into that process because that could be a whole podcast episode all on its own. But, um, but if you think about the process of taking milk and churning it into butter and then heating the butter to make ghee, what you have left when you have the ghee is this clarified, super pure essence of the butter or of the milk. And so it's the same kind of thing in our bodies. We're taking the raw food materials. It's going through the process of digestion. It's um, going through this, these different processes of becoming finer and finer and finer, more subtle, the impurities are, are leaving until you have this substance called ogis. And, um, oh, and this is actually something, just to go back to the process of it for a second, the food, the quality of the food you eat is important, but mm-hmm. also how you eat. And this actually makes me think about your podcast episode on the blossom and rot, um, about how you know, eating without stress, eating with presence, that in Ayurvedic thought, like that's just as important as the quality of food you eat. And that contributes to the ogis of the food you eat is like Mm. things happening in a way that's ideal. Like the the process is happening with presence, with consciousness and without stress. And so OGIS is one of the main components of the immune system. So a person with healthy, abundant OGIS, they're gonna have a calm, content demeanor, strong immunity, endurance, a positive attitude towards life, as well as like a glow and a luster. There's a sense of vibrancy and vitality. And not surprisingly, things that can diminish OGIS are when you go beyond your body or mind's limits. So overwork, Mm. not enough sleep, poor diet, over-exercise, too much sex, overindulgence in substances. And I would also say too much travel or screen time and definitely chronic stress. So basically the things that increase vata also impact our ojas in a negative way. So stress greatly impacts ojas. There's a lot of talk about burnout right now. And if you think about the qualities of burnout, how it looks and how it feels, you've literally burnt out your ogis, that depleted, lackluster, exhausted, low immune feeling is diminished ogis. So that's kind of a basic, there's lots and lots more, it can go a lot deeper, but that's kind of a basic thing is vata dosha is, is your, takes care of your nervous system, that's taking care of vata dosha also helps to take care of ogis, which is your immunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. That was, yeah. I, I already, I definitely learned some stuff there. So, so thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like when we support one system, we support all the systems in the body. Um, mm-hmm. What, so you gave us some ideas of um, things we might watch out for. What are some things that we might do as we head into fall and winter, um, some practices we might bring in. Great. Yes. So, I mean, first of all, just managing 
stress in whatever ways you can. And we can't always remove the source of our stress, but we can work on our responses to stress and find ways to move stress out of our bodies. So any ways that, you know, exercising in the appropriate levels, not over-exercising, but um, meditation, good quality sleep, doing something creative, resting, having nourishing social connections, all the ways that we help to complete stress responses can be really helpful in, um, in positively affecting the ojas in a body. There's things that we can do to build ojas, but really it's also very important to contain and protect the ojas that we have. So the stress and the overwork, the, um, I know this time is just, it's a busy time of year. Kids are going back to school. There's lots of change. There's the summer, the schedule has maybe shifted. And that's actually something that's very positive um, in some ways the for vata dosha, because vata can be very erratic. So having a schedule can really help to, to ground and, and balance vata, but it can be an adjustment for, for everyone to get back into the fall. And then just with everything that happens kind of later in the fall with all of the celebrations and family time and all of those things, it's just finding whatever ways you can to really stay grounded and minimize the stress. In Ayurveda, there's a really beautiful practice called Abhyanga, and it's a choreographed oil massage. It's done with copious amounts of warm oil. And this is one of the best practices for balancing vata. And it's also really helpful for building ojas. If you think about Mm -hmm. the way we describe ojas as this vibrancy and this luster, the oil really nourishes the system. It kind of gives your your skin that glow. It gives your body that that vibrancy, that vitality. Um, And oil with its qualities of being heavy. And if you warm the oil warm and unctuous and slow, it's really one of the most grounding, balancing things that you can do for vata. It moves lymph, which can actually directly benefit the immune system. And it's, you can find an Ayurvedic practitioner that does this, but you can also do it at home on your own body and you get the same, you know, mostly the same benefits. Obviously it's really nice to have somebody else administer the treatment and just get to fully release and relax, but, but you can, really get so many of the benefits from it, from doing it yourself. And you can find instructions on the internet. I also actually have a really beautiful guide on my website. Um, if you look, go under resources, I have a guide for, um, for the Abhyanga. Well, I will. One link of the to other that. thing. Awesome. Um, one of the other things that I would say that can be really helpful is meditation. And I know we're constantly hearing about all the benefits of meditation. And you know, there's a reason for that. It's because it is really so powerful. And um, actually when I was doing research for this interview, I ac- kind of accidentally found this study on linking meditation, mindfulness meditation practices to some positive benefits for our immune system. 
um, this, the study was mostly done with people who were cancer patients, but it was just showing how, and it's a very preliminary study and they have to do more studies, but it's showing in this preliminary study, there was some benefit to, of um, immune response to people who were practicing this mindfulness meditation. So calming your mind, meditation also from an Ayurvedic perspective helps to contain the ojas, um, you know, it helps with sleep, it helps with our body, us to move stress. So I would say that, yeah, the, the Abhyanga practice and the meditation practice um, are super helpful. And I also have a, a meditation on my website um, that if it's just, if you just go onto my website, there's a banner there and it's very easy to find. It's a deep rest meditation. And it's actually based off of a yoga nidra practice, which I really love if you're really burnt out and feeling maybe even overwhelmed by the concept of meditation, it can be really helpful just to do something like yoga nidra where you can just lie down in your bed and just really relax and get that deep rest. Yeah. Thank you for this. Yeah. Just avoiding. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, thank you for that because I think some people get the idea of what meditation is in their heads and it's seated and it's uncomfortable and you're on the floor. And my guess is if you come to a meditation practice with resistance, like thinking it's something you have to do and like, it's like taking, you know, your fish oil or whatever, um, that you, and you're not enjoying it, that you're probably not going to get those benefits that, that we're looking for. And so, yes, I do. I want to highlight that you have that, um, that resource available and that not all meditation has to be done seated on the floor with crossed legs and eyes closed and spine straight. Right. Yeah. I I love that. Cause it's, cause I think something I think meditation can feel so overwhelming for people sometimes. I think it's hard. It's hard for us to quiet our minds. We have so much stimulation all the time. So it's really can feel daunting to just be with, to be with ourselves and be with our thoughts. And I think the ways, I think making it as easy and as accessible as possible, because the benefits are, are just of doing it consistently. The benefits really outweigh the um the discomfort or the hardness of doing it yeah yeah thank you and I'll just I'll backtrack a a minute also to speak about the abhyanga so um the oil massage specifically this self-oil massage you know I've heard for for many years that that's great and we should all be doing it and um it wasn't until this summer that I decided like I was really going to take time out to do that for myself, um, a couple of times a week. And I realized that it's this, like, I feel like self-love is somewhat overused term, but it's like this prioritizing myself and caring for my own body, which is somewhat countercultural. Like we're not, we're not encouraged to care for ourselves in that way, especially oftentimes people raised female. Um, and so again, it's kind of similar to, to meditation. I had this idea that like, it was going to take all this time. It was going to add all this time to my day. And I just didn't have time for that. And it's like, no, like, you know, maybe I just, maybe 
I get up 15 minutes earlier. Like maybe it's just a little bit of extra time. And <clears throat> I oftentimes will listen to some sort of inspiring podcast like yours mm -hmm. while I'm, while I'm <laughs> doing it. Yeah. Like not to like, not so that I'm taking in more information, but like something, something for my spirit, um, more than for my mind as I'm, as I'm doing it. So I love what you said about self-love and because in Ayurvedic in in the terminology of Abhyanga, there's, there's a word for oiling yourself that's snehana and sneha, the root word of that is a root word for love. And so there's this concept that when you're putting the oil on your body, you're coating your body with this layer of love and protection. Like the oil is actually like, it's actually also helping your immune system. It's actually also protecting your body from pathogens, from the, the sesame oil. If, if you use sesame oil is very antiviral and um, what's the other word? Uh, I can't think of it right now, but it's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's giving your body that love and protection. And like you said, that practice of taking that time for yourself. Like sometimes I love doing it, putting it on dry skin and doing it before a shower. But sometimes if I'm feeling just really crunched for time, but I feel that Vata energy and I'm feeling ungrounded, even just like after a shower using a little less oil, but just getting the oil on my body, getting it on my feet. And I've started sometimes doing it for my son, he's three and a half and giving him a little oil massage after a bath and he just loves it. It just really calms him down, helps him sleep better. So it's for, you know, it can make it a family affair and everyone can get some oil on their bodies and it really helps. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. I feel like you were just about perhaps to go into, um, you know, anything that we might avoid. So we've, you've, you've mentioned stress. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing. I think yeah. avoiding things that tax your system. So that could be stress. That could be over exercise. That could be overwork. And we can't always avoid overwork. Um, but I think, you know, I think what I, going back to what I said to before about, we can't always change the stressors in our lives but trying to when we can change the way we, we are processing them or thinking about them um, can be really helpful i think that's also where the meditation can come in but i think also like avoiding you know everything i've been thinking about things about like social interactions that feel stressful like sometimes when we feel like we have to go out and do this thing that we really don't want to do it's like making that choice to care for yourself and not do it, stay home and have a, give yourself an abhyanga, do something that's nourishing. Um, but yeah, I think any ways that we can, we can not tax ourselves more. I mean, I think managing our screen time, you know, I think about when we think about time, like having time for abhyanga or time for meditation, I can spend so much time scrolling on my phone and when I think about that, it's like, oh, I can do that so easily. If I have the time for that, I have the time to do a meditation. I have the time to put oil on my skin. So, yeah. yeah. A big, um, a, a big stressor that I have talked about too on the podcast and within my membership is, is just news consumption. Like, we don't need to know all the things all the time. We've got in the US, we have big elections coming up in the next year. 
I think people mostly know who they're going to vote for. Like we don't need the play-by-play every night to to be absorbing that. It's um, for me, I have found that to be a huge self-care, self-love practice to to just let go of the news. Yes, I agree with that a thousand percent. I think that's huge. I mean, I think about, I often think about just the modern world we live in and all the ways that that vata can be disrupted. And I think about that. If you think about ancient times, like news came to people by word of mouth. It came slowly. It was more local, localized. And now we can just take in news from like every part of the world in like instance. And it's it's so much for our our spirit and our brains and our bodies to process. Yeah. And I think like like and the video component of it. <clears throat> um, you know, I think that um I think I've read this somewhere. Our brains don't always know the difference in like what we're actually experiencing versus what we're what we're seeing or imagining that we're experiencing. So yes, that's that's very true. And that I've that's actually really interesting because I've thought about that a lot in um, positive ways of like people who are doing sports who will like watch videos and actually get better at the sport they're doing. But I, I but that is so true also about like the more challenging or, or negative things that we experience. And yeah, that's a very, very good point. Yeah. And, and also just what we have to do to digest, because the same way that we digest the food that comes into us, we have to digest the mental images that come to us. So making what we digest as simple as possible, both food and visually is beneficial for our ojas. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to, um, we're going to pivot to talking about your podcast. Was there anything else you wanted to say before we pivot? Okay, perfect. So I am hoping that listeners will check out your podcast again. It's the nourished nervous system, and I will link to it in the show notes. Um, and I just thought maybe you would give us an idea of the topics that you, that you cover. Yes, definitely. I talk about all things nervous system. Obviously, I love Ayurveda. I've been in the Ayurveda world for many, many years. So I talk about Ayurveda. I talk about, I'm also a holistic life coach. So I talk about the nervous system through the lens of coaching, um, through neuroplasticity. I'm super interested in the brain and how the brain works and how we can rewire the brain to create change in our lives. So I talk about that a lot meditation. Um, I'm not a somatic practitioner, but I'm a dancer and I love somatic. So I get guests on who talk about the nervous system through somatic lenses. And yeah, I think that kind of covers it. Herbs, also herbs. We talk about herbs sometime on the podcast. So just everything nervous system. I'm really into nourishing, simple, accessible things for people that they can start to do to make a difference. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. And I, I, the guests are interesting. I love the way you present the information and thank you. It's a great one. And like this podcast, I love that you don't feel like you have to have like these 60 minute episodes, you know, sometimes I just want to listen to 20 minutes of something and it's nice to have that option. Yes, I agree. Well, Kristen, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on and having this chat with me. 
Thank you. It's been really lovely. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Okay. Um, well, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Homecoming Podcast. The Homecoming Podcast is brought to you by the Homecoming Online Therapeutic Yoga Membership. You can read all about it in the link in the show notes. Links for me and my guests can be found in the show notes. If you're someone who listened to this episode and thought, oh my gosh, I can't add one more thing to my to-do list, even if it's a self-care or self-love practice, then I've got the guide for you to help you. So I created a guide called Creating a Yoga Habit for Exhausted Perfectionists. It's totally free. You can find it on my website and it could help you get clear on how and why to create those habits for yourself. I'll see you next week.